Well, I'm just going to settle in and treat you like family because, frankly, you feel like family, you know. I've known so many of you for such a long time. It's just, it's just great. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. It's a real honor. Um, we, okay, I was reminiscing with Joy just now. And, and actually, Adam and I had remembered this the other day. And it's such a charming story. I'd like to share it with you. In Huntsville, Alabama, there's a church called Faith Chapel. And my husband, Todd, has a history there. He grew up going to Faith Chapel. So in our marriage, we would visit on occasion and, and even worked close by for a long time. And there was this gentleman. I'm going to call him Eddie. And uh, he was such a sweet man. He had a mental delay. But he was very social, very social. And he had this really gruff voice. And you always knew that he was talking because he was louder and, and a little bit more boisterous. And he's a tall man who kind of stands above everybody else. And he would call us from across the hall, all the way down the hall. He'd say, hey, 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 come here, come here. Okay, Mr. Eddie, I'm coming. Hey, hey. And then he proceeded to tell us about two things, his two favorite things. He loved to talk about newspapers and lawnmowers. <laughs> and when he'd ask you about the newspapers, you'd tell him, hey, you like newspapers? Yeah, I like newspapers, Mr. Eddie. Oh. And then he'll tell you how many he collects, what type he collects. He'd fill you with all the details. Oh, that's nice, Mr. Eddie. Hey, hey, you got a lawnmower? So I'm listening in as Todd's talking to Mr. Eddie about his lawnmower. And Todd knows he likes details. So he proceeds, yeah, Mr. Eddie, I've got a, a Honda XR with an 8 inch cut and 8 inch wheels for easy maneuverability. Cuts the lawn real nice. Oh. Do you have a lawnmower, Mr. Eddie? Yeah. yeah. What kind of lawnmower you got? I got a red one. <laughs> love it. I just love, such a charming personality, so sweet. Um, all of the songs this morning and everything that you prayed and said this morning, they're so appropriate for what God is going to say today. I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 14. Now, it's a long chapter. There's 31 verses. But it's a very exciting chapter. There's a lot of activity that takes place in Exodus chapter 14. And I want to encourage you to take chapter 14 and read it yourself. Because there's going to be too much to soak in today. But there's so much that you can apply to your daily life. Have you ever read any part of the Bible and you're thinking, well, that's a nice story, but how does that apply to my life right now? But we know that God says his word is inspired, and it's active, and it's alive. And so it's always, always applicable. We just have to sit and listen to the Holy Spirit for him to reveal to us how that chapter or that verse applies to us. And it's such an adventurous thing to do. I love to sit and listen. 
read and think, I have no idea. But as I sit and ponder and pray, the Lord reveals something super precious and super personal, a, a finite detail about my life or my family's life. And so it's always enriching, always enriching. But we have to read the Bible to experience that. So here we go. Exodus chapter 14. I'm reading from the NLT. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pahirath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They're trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done, letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the charioteers of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore of Pihiroth, across from Baal Hazephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the waters so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. 
Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Israelites, excuse me, but the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud. And he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. As the water stood up like a wall on both sides, that is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant. Wow. Waymaker, miracle worker. He promised them that he would deliver them, and he did. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Ever feel like you're stuck? Just stuck. Stuck, stuck, stuck. Nothing you can do in the natural will help. Nothing. Just like when Moses brought the Israelites to the sea. Water in front of them, enemy behind them. Nothing else. They had walked in obedience, and they were stuck in the natural. But we have a supernatural God. And he makes a way when it doesn't seem like there is any other way. So when we're stuck in the natural, wait. Be still and know that I am God. And watch him deliver you. 
I believe it is very, I think that he's good. I think he allows us to get stuck. I think that we can do everything possible in our own strength. And sometimes we don't realize we're doing it in our own strength. Then we get to a point where there's absolutely nothing else we can do. Sometimes it's financial crisis. Sometimes it's family matters. Sometimes it's a diagnosis. Wait. Be still. It's all too easy to react out of fear. Oh, no. I just had a diagnosis. It doesn't look good. It didn't look good when they were standing in front of the water. It didn't look good when Pharaoh had his full force behind them. The enemy can and will, at one point or another, throw his best at you. He will give everything he's got, everything, his best army, his best generals, his best tools, everything that he's got. And sometimes he himself will join that strategy. And it looks dark. It looks like there is absolutely nothing you can do, and you might even feel like because you can't see God that he has left you. Or maybe you feel like your faith has left you. But God, but God, when you can't see him working, he's always got something going on behind the scenes. So be still. Listen. Don't panic, he says. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and of a sound mind. So we don't have fear and a sound mind at the same time. That tells us that when we're afraid, it's very difficult to make decisions based on what he's telling us. It's hard to hear him when we are stuck in a state of intimidation, a state of anxiety. So while those things are natural to come your way, and it's natural to get into a habit of thinking that way, we serve a supernatural God. So he created us. He knew our faults. He knew we would be weak too. He knew that we would need to call out on his name, which he loves, by the way. He absolutely loves for us to be dependent on him. He loves to come to us and help us out, to give us an encouraging word, to hold our hand, to do supernatural things all around us, whether we see it or we don't see it because it's behind the scenes. He absolutely loves to come to our salvation. So when you feel like you are stuck, 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 and not just stuck, but when you feel like the enemy is hot on your trail, let me tell you something. Anything, even his best forces, don't hold a candle to the power of God. Now, so look at what he did in Exodus 14. The Pharaoh couldn't, the Pharaoh couldn't do anything. I mean, he, he took out his best and his biggest number that he himself felt like there was no way the Israelites could escape his grasp. No way. But they were like paper in the wind when it came to the Holy Spirit. Man. But you can only be encouraged by that story if you know it. 
So it's so important that you read the Word of God and you ask Him to speak to you what that story is, what it meant then and what it means now. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always supernatural. He's, the buck always stops with him. He's always available. He's always working behind the scenes. He's always ready to give you wisdom. The Bible says he gives wisdom freely to those who ask. He's always, always, always ready to glorify his name in your life. So, so open up your mind and your heart. Open up your hands in a position for receiving because God is always happy to do a miracle. He is, if you're ready to step out in faith, he is always ready to meet you there. Always. And it is an adventure. It is an exciting journey. Oh, my goodness. I could spend hours telling you how God has stepped in and saved our behinds. <laughs> um, So I find it exciting to serve a God like him because he doesn't just glorify his name. He also is personal. He's loving. I love how active he is in my life. I love that he likes to show me that he's listening and he likes to bless me with the smallest gifts. I mean... I mean, a piece of chocolate makes me happy, you know? And somebody might offer me some chocolate randomly. I'm like, thank you, Lord, you know? Now, that might sound a little super spiritual, but I'm always excited about the good things in life because every good thing that happens in life is from Jesus. So that brings me to our mission. Todd and I and our kids moved to Wales 18 years ago. I can't believe it. I thought we'd be there for two years. <laughs> I remember telling God, okay, I'm willing to do that for two years. Okay, Steph. <laughs> so here we are 18 years later. And um, we have a unique ministry to families with special needs kids, teens, siblings, any loved one. And there's many reasons for that. But I want to tell you first that Wales is in a, a nation, the continent of the United Kingdom. It's one of a few countries that you're very familiar with, but you might not be familiar with Wales. Everyone always knows the other ones. <laughs> Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland technically. Scotland, Northern Ireland, and England, and Wales. In all of the UK, there's only 1.5% professed Christians. 1.5% in all of the UK. Now, I forgot to look up Alabama's, but in all of South Carolina, which is just where we were, 78%, just to give you a little perspective, 78% of that state profess Christianity. In all of the UK, 1.5%. So you can surmise that the message of hope is not being bounced around much at all. So families with additional needs, kids, face challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. 
Let me tell you a little bit about what happens. When you have a child with special needs born to you, the natural progression, although this doesn't always happen, and we were actually quite fortunate ourselves, but what usually takes place is your circle of influence dissipates. You think about who do you go to when you have a crisis? Or you just want to chat about something that happened for the day? Or you really need to grieve? Who do you go to? Friends? Family? The first two things to dissipate are circle of friends because your friends can't relate. They're in a different part of life now. You've got a lot of additional things that you need to do to take care of your kids. They just can't relate. Family, though they love you very much, don't know how to help. So that's the first thing to disappear when you have a child with special needs. So when you need support the most, that's when it's gone. 90% of couples already attending church who then have a child with special needs born to them stop going to church. 90% stop going. 80% of couples with a child with special needs end up divorced. 80%. 80% of mothers of children with autism, specifically, are diagnosed with depression. There's just challenge after challenge after challenge. Most of the time, it includes fighting for education, uh, the stress of a medical issue, but then there's just vast amounts of issues and troubles and inner turmoil that come with the mental delay, the lack of verbal communication. The list goes on. It's infinite. So it is vital that these families have community. ELI Project is the name of our ministry. ELI is an acronym. It stands for Every Life's Important. Eli is also our son. He's our third child. He's now, tw well, he's now 19, about to turn 20. Mind-blowing. He has Down syndrome and autism. So God has given us an open door to build deep relationship with these families and also to have some awareness and understanding of what to provide in a, in a very practical manner. We know that these families are hurting, and we know that they need Jesus. Most of them do not understand a relationship with Jesus. So the UK is a post-Christian society. They feel like Christianity is no longer relevant. It's just an old religion for previous generations. So our desire is, as we build relationships with these families, that we're able to connect on a personal level. And we'll have conversations, very organic conversations, when we're with them. Like, Eli recently had his third open-heart surgery. And leading up to that surgery, in our regular conversations, they'd ask questions like, how are you feeling about this? You seem quite calm. Must be really difficult. 
And in all honesty, there's a lot of stress involved. So I would answer honestly, and I'd say, sometimes it's really stressful. But we have a faith in God, and when we take it to prayer in God, He builds our hope, we have peace that doesn't make sense, and we ask God to lead us to the right medical staff. And we ask God for quick uh, post-surgery healing. And the list goes on for all the things that we're asking God for, but these individuals are seeing that we have peace and we have hope. And then they see how quickly Eli did recover afterwards. And they see how quickly we respond in joy rather than depression or um, stress. Now, those things come and go our way. I would be lying to say we never feel depressed. I would be lying to say we never feel anxious. But because we have God, we take it to Him, and He fills us where, uh, with strength where we're weak. And He reminds us that we don't live in fear, that that's not from Him. So God is so, so active in Eli Project. In fact, one of my favorite stories actually happened recently. There's a dad of a teenage girl with autism. His name is Darren. And we had befriended him and his whole family. They have seven kids, and they are a fantastic family. So it was really quite easy to be friends with them. Um, and Darren was not interested in anything biblical, any church, nothing, no Christianity whatsoever. But he's a nice guy. And he always appreciated what we believed. He just wasn't interested in it for himself. So after about five and a half years, he agrees to come to a Bible study to make his wife happy, really. <laughs> so he finally comes, you know. Now we're just all chill about it. Too, super excited, but just really chill on the outside. And six weeks later into the Bible study, he's still there, and he says in a very casual conversation, I've had a headache now for six years, a chronic headache for six years because of the stress. You know. I was like, wow, we need to pray for you. So I prayed a very simple prayer. Lord, you're a merciful God, so would you please remove this headache from Darren? In Jesus' name, amen. That was it. Two days later, his headache disappeared for good. Two days later. And he said, that is the day I knew God exists. Yeah, praise God, right? Now, the exciting part of that, Darren is a praying parent. He prays for wisdom instead of reacting in a stressful situation. He gains peace from the Lord in a stressful situation. He's gaining direction. He knows how to pray for his daughter because otherwise he was stuck. Now she is breaking through her own barriers of anxiety, paralyzing anxiety and depression, especially after lockdown. She is breaking through and having evidence of her own joy, all because Jesus stepped into their family. And there are other members of his family who have since given their heart to Jesus. Wow. 
God is so good. And he's relational, y'all. He's relational. He's relational with us. And he blesses our sphere of influence when we're relational with others. Because that's who he is. So, if you've been stuck before, you can definitely relate to what I'm saying. If you're stuck now, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Man, God still does make a way when there is no other way. And watch him deliver you from your circumstances. And watch him fill you with joy and peace. Watch him bring you healing in your heart and in your body. Watch him bring healing in your relationships with other people. Watch him give you guidance for your new job. The list goes on and on. But let's pray for Eli Project families, that they will know that same hope. They need to know the story of Moses, and they need to know that that's not just Old Testament stuff. We want them to know that God can deliver them. Listen, they have problems without solutions, literally. I have sat in groups of parents in therapy sessions, and there is no answer, no answer to the questions that they have in the natural, and it's heartbreaking. And if I didn't know what Jesus could do for them, I would succumb to the sadness. It is tough, but God. Can we play that video now? Have a video that will give you a visual of the things that we do in Eli Project. You'll hear a really cool accent from Marie. Um, and it's just a great description. And I'll talk a little bit more after that. families are in crisis, either at the diagnosis of a child um, who has additional needs or um, because they have medical health problems that are really challenging. So we want to bring them from that crisis into a community and from that community we can then teach them the love and acceptance of Jesus so they can then go on and, and find greater hope and greater strength and greater purpose in their life. So I think parents with children with additional needs find it extremely hard to access traditional church. And that's what we've been working with the Eli Project to address, to see if we can become a church that does offer a welcome and a space to the parents who so often struggle to access church with their additional needs children. Eli Project has a number of ways of bringing value to the lives of children with additional needs. We run family nights where families can come together, the whole family, to have fun, to socialise, to connect. We also do Kids Stop, which is a really important 
moment for families where they have preschool children who are being diagnosed with children with additional needs. And that moment of crisis is really important that we can meet them in their needs. And then we also run buddies, which means that these families that we're connecting with, we can then feed them into our local church community where they can be loved and accepted by people beyond the special needs education system um, and beyond their own very small social network. The Eli Project has completely transformed our approach to families across the city. What Todd and Stephanie and the Eli Project have done is they have helped us to understand that there must be a space in the church environment where a child could go to be safe. And with their inspiration and encouragement, we've extended our building here and we've built a sensory room so that there's a space where a parent can take a child. If we can support the Eli Project to get alongside families in new communities, in new neighborhoods, families that reach in into new valleys of Wales, then we will see God do extraordinary things. The vision of Eli Project is to make the love of Jesus real through love and acceptance of families and their children with additional needs, to bring them from crisis into community and then eventually into the church. Unexpected. My favorite statement in that video is that we bring them from crisis to community to church. I would, I would like to reword that a little bit. It says we like to walk with them through crisis, bring them into community to Christ. Because life brings us trials and tribulations that we can simply do nothing about. But God, but God. I have three things to show you. I have a brochure that shows you all the lovely little faces of the people that we minister to. It's a skeletal description of some of the things that we do. If you really want to see more, though, check out our website. This card, there's a picture of Eli and a buddy. There's a QR code on the bottom of that side. It will take you straight to our website, which is more informative. There's lots of good things to see. Some of the things that are relatively new, like after-school club or community meals, which we do every week during the winter months, are not listed on the website. But we're always thinking of new strategies, and it's just a very exciting journey. This side has Todd and I and a QR code, which takes you directly to our account support page. So take one of these and stick it on your fridge or in your Bible. This one is probably the most important, because this is where you write your email address. I need you to print it quite clearly so I can get to you what you're asking from me. Are you praying with us, and would you like an update newsletter? I need to know, and I would love to send you information. We love your encouraging words. Prayer is vital because prayer changes things. Your prayer helps to set the atmosphere where we are. It helps keep us on track. When you're on the battlefield, sometimes it plays with your mind. 
So your prayer support is really crucial and really appreciated. So when you send us little things like, I thought of you today when I read the scripture, or hey, we're praying for you, just super simple, it's like a booster shot for us. So thank you for that. And like Ms. Joy said, with the vision that we need to make sustainable, we have to have funds. Funds make the lights come on and help us to buy new equipment and help us to hire halls. So it's really important to be able to keep our funds up. Either way, please, please don't forget to put your email address. I want to stay in touch with you. Also, if you're ever wondering, you hadn't heard from us for a little while, sometimes we can be a little preoccupied, and you're thinking, hey, Steph, what's up? I don't know what's going on. Send me an email. Say, I'd like to know, and I will be happy to engage with you on that. I love prompts. I love when people ask me questions, and I love when people remind me. So then I'll, I'll just, I'll be on it. I'll just get right back to you. Um, the last thing I would ask you to do is to hand it back to me before you leave today. Hand it to me or to Adam, and that way we can get rolling with what you're asking from us. Yeah, I think that's really about it. I want to thank you for giving me this chance, and I want to encourage you to read the Word of God. Uh, even if it seems archaic, it's not. It's alive, and it's going full force, speed ahead. God is such a good God. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. Don't you just love Stephanie Hart? Just love all of time Stephanie and love them. Um, for the very first time I met them. Uh, minister and to spread the gospel to wills. So I want you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And I'm just going to pray that the Lord will lead you and guide you in how to give. And as your eyes are closed, just listen to, to what I have to say and then we'll pray. But um, there's easy, easy ways to support Todd and Stephanie. Uh, you can commit to give every month, and you can give it to Life Change Church and just put Todd and Stephanie on your check or on the envelope, and we send it into the conference office, and they send it to the mission department, and Todd and Stephanie get it. Um, it goes directly to them. Jason and I have supported Todd and Stephanie from the very beginning. We support them monthly, and I don't know that we've ever said this at, at Life Change Church, but this was said to me as a young teenager but, um, and it was a mentor of mine, a, a spiritual dad of mine, and he said, Joy, your tithes and offerings belong to your church. 
But when the Lord asks you to, do, to give a faith commitment, that's saying every month I choose to live by faith and support missionaries. And that's saying, you know, God, I might not have this $30 or I might not can think about $30, $50, $100 a month to give to a mission. But Lord, I'm stepping out on faith and I'm going to choose and just be obedient and give this amount, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you. And you step out on faith. And I want to tell you today that I can look back at my 18, 17-year-old self, self when my spiritual father told me that. And I will tell you that I have never not been able to meet those faith commitments. Matter of fact, Jason and I support five or six missionaries every month. And we never not have enough. Matter of fact, our closets are overflowing. Our houses, our house is just bursting at the seam with God's blessing. And so when, I just want to encourage you that when you step out on, in faith and say, I am going to help spread the gospel in Wales, I promise you, every time you give, God will meet the need. Because I'm speaking from experience, like the psalmist, I've been young, old, I've been young and I've been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I have seen him meet the need every single month. And like I said, we physically are not going to go and live in wells unless the Holy Spirit right now is telling you that's what you need to do. You need to be obedient. I'm going to tell you he's not telling me that right now. I can, I'm not going to physically go live in wells and spread the gospel, but I can financially support it and make it happen. And so, Father, right now, Lord, you've been speaking to our heart from the very beginning of the service. Lord, you, you, from the very just beginning, the, the very first note, the very first word of worship, Lord, you are making a declaration over us today that you are a way maker. And Lord, through Stephanie's whole sermon and presentation, Lord, we want the people in Wales who are not very many who believe in you, Lord. We want them to know the way maker and the miracle worker and the promise keeper because it is in you that only life and abundant life is found. You are the answer. And so Jesus, this morning, as you are just speaking to our hearts and have been the whole entire service, Lord, just speak to our hearts today on what you would like us to financially give as individuals and as a church. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your um, speaking to us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for obedient hearts this morning. And Lord, we want to, we are a giving church. We are a blessing church and we want to bless Todd and Stephanie and we want to bless the people of Wales. And so this morning, Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. So I'm going to ask Stephanie and Adam, if you will, will you guys come up and just stand right here and, and we're going to pray for, for Stephanie and Adam. If the Lord is just, would if you'd like to come and just make a point of contact with them and stand behind them just as a a um, physical um, just representation of like we are support we've got your back <laughs> 
So can I have some, a few saints come and just stand behind them and just, just reach out to them if you're, if you're out in the congregation and just reach out to them. And let's pray for Adam, firstborn, Isabella, Eli, Rose, Summer Rose, and Todd this morning.